Oh my. So we're Hello. all of this and we're just getting oh started. Gosh, I just realized I was like, well, at least the recording won't have all of our Stacy Keats. Yeah, we are the home of professional anyway. podcasting. <laughs> that would have been bad. <laughs> anyway. So well, for those of you joining us now, you uh, missed Stacy Keach and a little Mike Hammer reference and a sitcom that Rich could not remember. Ah, it's going to kill me. But anyway, now we're actually talking something about things, like so. happily ever after, or I don't know. So I, that's not, if yeah, I had my phone available, I would secretly look, but it's recording right now. So anyway, we'll figure it hmm. out. Hello, officially. Frustrating. So I'm sorry. You might want to start over for that, <laughs> for the recording. Sorry, everyone watching on video. Our apologies uh, for not podcasting last week. Uh, I had a scheduling issue with uh, some uh, some cattle uh, scheduling stuff. No? Don't say beeves. Don't say beeves because Stacy will, will lose it. Lose her and mind. And then we'll lose two minutes of the podcast. She'll lose her mind up in here. And so then as we, uh, as we were supposed to uh do wednesday then stacy took Ill. ill and now i've got a different kind of illness yes that makes me sound so, like so you need some chicken feet stacy cage <laughs> a little bit so oh you had some joey references some man with a plan references oh, yeah. in there whenever All i of think which, of joey for some reason my mind goes to blossom joey and i just want to be like whoa yeah, but anyway fun. which which i mean friends joey was more my era but i don't know yeah, anyway and neither of them were really your era. You were 12. At, I remember very vividly watching. I probably shouldn't have watched it. shouldn't have been watching it. But you I watched it with my sister, probably because I wanted to be cool. Right, I don't know why yeah. my sister was my my compass for coolness at the time. Don't tell her that. So but. my sister, who just discovered that Yoko Ono is a person who was Wait. who was married to <laughs> John she, Lennon, what and she, she just she figured was? out who John Lennon was. So did she not think what she think Yoko Ono was? I I think she makes this stuff up. Heidi, if you're watching, I think you make this stuff She's up. She's watching it you one and a half. Can't have speed. been that much under a rock. Anyhow. And she didn't know John Lennon was a real person. She just figured out the Beatles a few years ago. So Come on. You know, supposedly. But supposedly I had just had to Ooh, get another friend, friend's cringe. reference. My mom in is there. cringing right now. That's her Do you remember that episode? <laughs> that was great. <laughs> <laughs> that that made me laugh. And cringe. Yes, much cringing. So anyway, uh Heidi just pointed out that all of the actors uh, of the main actors from friends are now older than the youngest golden i saw girl. that on facebook <laughs> yesterday i was like mm. who played the oldest golden girl because it was estelle getty that was right the she was so. the youngest yeah anyway so uh all of which was inane pointless and a total waste just, of your time you so know, we had if to get i were the you i would just not even listen to this podcast we had to get the recording some pop culture in there so. since we are uh here and we are clearly inarguably the home of professional podcasting. We want to podcast something worthwhile, something as it were real. And so something to talk about. as we're going through this, we would like to talk about something in the text <laughs> at some point. Whew. So uh, we made it as we talked about numbers 11. Uh, we've been kind of hovering here, uh, taking a little time to develop some of the different scenes within the scene uh, as we see this last week we talked about the complaint of moses not on the podcast because we weren't here but in the sermon and then this week we talked about not bumping the table uh we, said you would. we talked about uh, how god responded to to moses complaint and so the the entire picture is set up as a contrast which is which makes it easy to miss some things sure. especially when we break it down into pieces if we if we just look at the pieces then we can miss the overarching context 
which incidentally is is funny how that works. Well, right. And and it's crucial to understanding the scriptures. If we're going to understand the Bible, then we can't just take it as so many devotions do. Here's a verse. I'm going to, you know, that'll preach. Let's write a devotion about it. So you get, you know, one line of scripture and, you know, a whole page of, of my thoughts about it and usually taken out of context. Mm -hmm. And, um, some of the ones that, that, you know, just always stand out to me. Um, and, and every day it seems like there are more that, that I hear people just totally misapply scripture. Jeremiah 29, 11 is one of the big ones. People love to see that as this, uh, wonderful inspirational prosperity verse, you know, the, the Lord says, uh, I know the plans I have for you and their mm-hmm. plans, plans to har- <clears throat> to prosper you and not to harm you. But because we look at the verse and not the context of it, the context is in, uh, he is telling through Jeremiah, he's telling the people, you are going into 70 years of exile in Babylon. Jerusalem's going to be abandoned. By the end of this, the, those who are left behind in Jerusalem will actually, it'll be so bad, they will revert to cannibalism. The people of God reverting to, you know, they're just, it's its this total downward spiral and it just gets so horrible. Jeremiah can't stand it. And we have the book of Lamentations about that. But God is telling them, I'm going to send you into exile. You're going to go through this in Babylon. It's going to be horrible, but I know the plans I have for you. My plans for you through this suffering are your good, right? But if we only take the verse, we can miss the point. Right. And the point is not that God is only going to bring you good things from your perspective. It's that all of the bad things that God is bringing, God is bringing to you. He is bringing for his purposes and his purposes are ultimate good, ultimate good for you, ultimate glory for his name. So that, you know, that is just one example. Philippians 4.13 is another one, you know, I win my Oscar. I win the Super Bowl. You know, Philippians four thirteen. Um, that has nothing to do with it. It's right. about being able to bear up and endure in hard times and suffering, because it's all about Him and not about me. Therefore, in Christ, I can do all of these things. I can endure in suffering. I can do without. I can. Uh, I can handle plenty. I can handle handle want. Um, but again, we like to just rip things out of context. Right. So as we're looking at this particular passage. Um, we're slowing down in Numbers 11 to look at the individual parts of it, but it's really telling one story, which, you know, a story within a story, obviously, because the book of Numbers is a story, and that's a story within the Torah, and that's a story within uh, the Old Testament, which is, you know, a story within the, the Bible itself, uh, telling the story from beginning to end, all of which points to Christ. So as we're looking at these uh, at these realities, in, in this particular section, uh, what we looked at last week and what we'll look at this week, it comes on the heels of or, or, or in the context of um, Israel just leaving Sinai. They've been mar- on the march for three days. They have the complaint that it's too hard in the first three, three or four verses. Right. And as they're going through that, uh, they're complaining about the difficulties God's anger breaks out with fire around the camp, and uh, he, he judges them that way. They uh, come out of that, and immediately, the very next verse, they're complaining again. Now it's, oh, we, you know, God isn't good. They're not complaining to God. They're complaining about God that, you know, we hate this manna. You know, we, you know, we want meat. We had it so good in Egypt when we were in slavery, and we had, you know, a better menu. Uh, and we're so tired of this manna. 
and they're belly aching about it. They're, it says they're weeping at the door of their tents. And um, Moses hears them weeping, and God, it, uh, the ESV says, his anger blazed hotly, which I, I, I like the phrasing of that. Uh, as they're, as they're go- doing their complaining against God, Moses then hears this. He's troubled and, and upset. He's displeased with the people, and he complains to God, mm-hmm. saying, is this my fault? Did, you know, you've given me all these people that I'm responsible for. They're whining about wanting meat. Uh, I didn't give birth to these people. They're not, they're not my kids. I'm not, <laughs> why are you putting this on me? Why would you treat me this harshly? And if you're going to treat me this way, Lord, show me the favor of killing me. You know, give, give me the grace of ending my life now so that I don't see my wretchedness, my insufficiency to obey you and to do what you've called me to. And so as they're, um, as we see that contrast between how they complain and how Moses complains, then in, in this week's vignette, um, God is responding to Moses. And he, he told him uh, how they were going to respond, how he was going to respond to them. Uh, you gather to me 70 men that you've recognized as elders. Uh, bring them to me, and, and I'm going to take the Holy Spirit and put on them so that they can help carry this burden for you. And that's what we're actually looking at this week. And then he also says that, you know, I'm going to give the people what they're asking for, uh, and they're going to have meat coming out their nostrils. I'm going to give them so much meat. They're going to be so sick of this meat. Beeves. Literally, not, not beeves, <laughs> quail. Um, Quails. And, um, and Moses doesn't quite get how it's going to happen. Right. So that's where we pick up with where we were today is Moses is like, Lord, how are you going to give them meat? There's, I, I got 600 on foot, two, 2 million people here. It's not quail. So w- what in the world, it, are there enough flocks and herds if they were all slaughtered to, to feed them? Are there enough fish in the sea? And the Lord basically says, hold my fago, you know, I'm going to do this. Uh, and you're going to see, is, is the Lord's arm too short to save? Is the, the arms, uh, is the arm of the Lord too, too short to be able to provide this? watch and see what I do here. And then Moses in the next verse, which is where we pick up in verse 24, um, as Moses is dealing with this, he responds uh, with obedience. Um, Smart guy. Yeah, it seems like a pretty good call, right? (laughs) So is the Lord's hand shortened? This is verse uh, 23. Is the Lord's hand shortened? Now you shall see whether my word will come true for you or not. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. That's what he was supposed to do. So right. this response indicates also something about his complaint because he's not he's not just whining and, and belly aching. He complains, but he's doing so in faith. And when God says, "Go do this," he goes and does it. Uh, and he gathered seventy of seventy men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. As soon as the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did not continue doing it. So God uses this uh, miraculous sign, uh, if you will, uh, from the Holy Spirit to uh, confirm the identity here, confirm His calling, uh, that God is ordaining them uh, to this new, it's not, I don't know if you call it a new office. Um, This appears to be, uh, and I think this is a logical take from the scholars that I read, this makes sense that this is the beginning of the Sanhedrin 
that we see in the New Testament. So we have the 70 elders. It continues to be the 70 ruling elders. Uh, and this uh, this looks like the beginning of that, or at least a, a precursor of sorts. So I'm sure they didn't call it that yet. Um, but someone out there knows more than I do on that particular topic. But as we see this development, uh, God establishes for Moses uh, not he doesn't judge him for his complaint. He comes alongside him. He shows him mercy uh, because Moses isn't crying out against God. He's crying out to God. And God's not afraid of our our you know honest questions. Uh, authenticity is a word we've liked for the last fifteen years. That, that's pr a pretty big deal. So as Moses comes, it, it, he's not trying to put on a show for God. Right. It's funny. The very next day after uh, we preached this sermon. Um, on the complaint of Moses, uh, I was listening to podcasts and, uh, the very next podcast that I, I guess it was Tuesday probably, but, uh, the very next podcast I listened to from, uh, uh, ask pastor John, John Piper, uh, in his thing, that was the question that they were asking. Is it okay to be angry with God? Is it ever okay to be angry with God? And his resounding question was like, no, it's not. Now there's a lot more nuance right. to the conversation, but the bottom line is you don't get to be angry with God. Right. You, at the same time, if you are it. angry, it doesn't make sense to hide it from God. Right. Right. <laughs> it makes sense to repent of it. It doesn't make sense to hide it from God. He already knows. But really, when you think about people saying that they're angry with God or oh, because whatever, it's really more like a, it's because you simply can't wrap your head around something. I think the, I think the issue, and this is, I think the direct contrast between Moses and the people. The issue comes to whether or not you are submitting to God. I, I don't know that anybody is always thrilled about everything God chooses to do, including, right, I don't think is. including God the Son in the right. garden saying, right. Lord, I don't want to do this. Right. If do there's it. any way, take this cup from <laughs> right. me, and yet, not my will, but your right. will. That's the approach. And we see people love to use David's prayers in the Psalms as... Well, look, David expressed all these angry things. Listen, God saw fit to record in Scripture a lot of these prayers of complaint. Uh, we would call them laments. In fact, gave an entire book called Lamentations of that same thing. How long, O oh Lord? Why are you so far off? Why do the wicked prosper? How can this possibly happening be happening? How can Kill you be... Kill my enemy. <laughs> well, those are more imprecatory <laughs> I'm Psalms. but I'm but um and, but they have a specific right. genre and classification as well. But as we as we watch them, as we watch these psalms of lament or, or prayers of lament and complaint throughout the scriptures, what we see for the faithful, David as an example, Jeremiah, Habakkuk, what we see consistently is that it's, and I think your mom might have brought this up. To, somebody brought this up to me this week, and I, and I think it might have been your mom that it's really kind of the processing of the emotions. And I think that's kind of what you were alluding, alluding to. Right. We, we use terms like angry with God, partly I think, cause we're not, we don't fear the Lord enough, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, we have a right to be angry with God. There's, you do not have a right to breathe, let alone walk, to be angry. You've seen a walk God. to remember, right? I actually did not. I think I still have. Didn't I let copy. you borrow it yeah, like five years ago? I still have it. Yes. Okay. Watch it. Well, um, timing is hard. So yeah, it usually takes me 10 years to get to oh, okay. something. So. Well, it's on DVD and it's probably obsolete now. It's the You can just stream it now, I'm sure. Yes, somewhere. but probably not the family version. You have the family edited But there's version, only so. like 
It's PG-13 anyway. So, um, that racy Mandy Moore. Anyhow. Anyway, she says in there, I'm going to spoil it for you. She says in there. Uh, if I haven't watched it by now, it's my own fault. Well, not yours. she says in there at one point that she doesn't want this guy to fall in love with her because this is the big spoiler. She's dying. And she says, and he goes, why? And he, she goes, because she's really religious and her father's a pastor or whatever. And she goes, because I don't need a reason to be angry with God. Mm. I always thought that was really interesting. Like even she's, that's her persona in the movie. She is like hardcore Christian. She's always got her Bible. She's always, you know, doing the right thing. Mm. And she says, I don't need a reason to be angry with God. And I think it's important to realize that, yeah, as Christians, we can fall into that too and be like, yeah, oh my goodness, I'm right. so, like, how could you let this happen to me? And that's why I think it's important for us to, to see not just the pieces that we want to see, but yeah. the whole oh, context sure. of what God includes in scripture. Because all of those, when you see David doing it, Jeremiah, Habakkuk, Moses here, it ends with the not thy will but my will right i mean not my will but thy will well, we got that reverse <laughs> like we do all the time um it, lord here's what i'm feeling but i recognize that i can't trust my feelings i'm going to trust you right. david's you know why is my soul so downcast i will not do this i'm not going to give into this yes i feel things but my feelings don't rule me therefore I am going to, I will, I shall, I, I commit to submitting to the Lord. And, and that's a constant theme. And so that's kind of the difference. When we see the people, they're angry with God for not giving them what they want. And they're not talking to God right. about it. They're just complaining. And when Moses is complaining, he's not saying, God, how dare you? Shaking his fist at God. He's saying, Lord, this is too much for me. I can't do it. I'm overwhelmed. And sometimes as a parent, I'm sure you can identify with this. Sometimes a child can be overwhelmed by their emotions. And when they're processing it, they don't always say things the right way. Right. That doesn't make it okay. But as a parent, it does lead to mercy. Very. You often. understand the difference right. as a parent. And, and if your child is just And then we can talk about, okay, and, listen, right. this isn't how you talk to mom. Right. This is how you talk to your dad. But let's, let's work through this. Right. And, and we can fix that stuff. Then there's the selfish throw a fit. You know, I want my way and, and I'm, I'm not going to submit to your authority. Right. That's a different thing. And, and when we conflate those ideas, then we're missing out on the richness that we see in the spiritual lives of those in scripture. God gives us imperfect people to look to. There's only one perfect person in scripture and that's Jesus himself. Everyone else is flawed and we get to see their flaws. There isn't a single person that I know of. If somebody can think of one, you know, if you, if you're in the Bible for more than one scene, so let's say Melchizedek, Melchizedek shows up. You don't really get a development of his character other than the, that he's a type of Christ. Right. So, you know, again, I, I would say, and some people would say it's a, uh, it's a Christophany where it's Jesus actually appearing before the incarnation. I don't know. I think that might be a stretch, but again, the picture is Christ. Nobody in the Bible is perfect. None of us are perfect. As we look at, at how this plays out, the, um, the complaint that Moses has brings him to the Lord. And the Lord says, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to give you this help. And the picture that uh, develops from that as, uh, as, he, as Moses complains uh, is that 
God then provides for him what Moses couldn't provide for himself. Right. Right. So there's this gracious provision that comes when he turns to him in desperation. And the same thing happens for us. And that's really the connection uh, as we look at this that, that spins this forward to Christ. This is in a, in a composite thing, the difference between those who reject Christ. And, and, and you see this actually in the complaint about the manna. Jesus is the bread of heaven, refers to himself that way. The scriptures refer to him that way. When we reject the bread of heaven, when we re reject the provision that the Lord has made, we are rejecting him. So if I don't accept, if I don't receive Christ by faith as the provision that God has made for my salvation, so I put all my hope and trust and faith in Jesus so that he takes my sin on the cross. That's that. It's all about his work, not about my faith. But I receive his work by my faith, if I don't do that, then no amount of religious activity or good intention can save me. Because the only provision that God makes is that bread of life, the, the bread that comes from heaven. In the same way here, we see that the people complain about their circumstances, and they don't turn to God in desperation. They turn away from God. Moses, in desperation, cries out to the Lord and finds mercy. And God provides for him what he could not do himself. Moses had to, to get to that place. And God used the situation to speak to him and through him to speak to the people and through him and the people to speak to us today to be able to recognize that Jesus is that provision. Moses had to come to the end of himself to cry out to God. As long as he thought he could do it, as long as he thought he could lead the people himself, he wasn't going to to own his dependence on God the same way. And we see that later when he actually sins by disobeying God. We'll get to that as we come along uh, in, a, in a scene that echoes uh, the earlier scene when he, when he is supposed to uh, strike the rock in Exodus and the water flows from the rock and the people uh, have life. Well, now God tells him to speak to the rock, but he does it his own way you know, going by what God told him previously. And he does it his own way. And he starts to lose track of the, uh, there's a lot of noises in the church. Aren't yeah, there? There um, and he starts to lose track of who's actually doing this. And so as Moses thinks he's providing instead of the Lord providing, he's, he's actually sinning against God. Here in this scene, he realizes I can't provide. Right. I can't do this. There is a need and I can't meet it. In the same way, we need to recognize our shortcomings in sin and the fact that the, the, the mind that is governed by the sinful flesh, it can't submit to God. We don't have it in us. That was my favorite point that I think it was the first point in our, uh, excuse me, uh, our, um, Whatchamajigger. On our programs, we have to fill in the blanks and everything. And I think that was. The we may start thing. calling them whatchamajiggers just because. <laughs> Bring out your whatchamajigger and we'll fill it in. No, it was these little blanks. And I think the first one that was up there was either the first or second one. I can't see. Thomas J. can't see without his glasses. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. It was the first one. His complaint was, I can't do this. Right. And that's so simple, but it's so, such a difficult thing, I think, maybe especially for uh, Western culture to say. It's very hard for people to admit that I can't do this. I think it, it's, I need... it's that key first step right. to salvation. If we're going to have a relationship with God, right. we have to come to the end of ourselves and, and recognize, I can't do this. Right. I can't I can't be religious enough or moral enough or good enough or pure enough to 
make myself right with God. I can't right. earn his favor. I can't get to heaven by keeping the 10 commandments. Right. I can't keep the 10 commandments, even if I could. So whatever I come up with, I have to end up face down before the and cross. You, yeah. You talked about brokenness and the importance yeah. of brokenness and nobody, nobody really wants that nobody either. Wants but, um, at the same time, and, and often I think when you've reached that point of of maybe like just before brokenness, when you're going through all this hard stuff and you've just gone through something unimaginable, it's that's the point where most people are getting angry with God. Right. Because yes. how could you do this? How could my life end up like this? Blah, blah, blah. But there's a point to it and there's a reason for it. And I've been there. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and I, you know, we have this tendency to just want the peace part. We want right. to, we want to come to church, get inspired, you know, feel better when we walk out. And I think when we do that, we miss everything that God is giving, right. to, that he's calling us to, that he's giving to us. The provision has to start with the unrest, the discontent, the, the restlessness that says all of this is worthless. You know, right. the, the, the writer of Ecclesiastes is like, it's all vanity. This is all pointless. No matter what I do, all of my best efforts, all of the best things that I pursue it's like chasing after the wind. I'm I'm empty here. And Moses realizes no matter what I do for these people, I can't do enough. Right. I can't get this job done. Lord, if this is the job is for me to lead these people, I am absolutely inadequate and I don't want to see my wretchedness. Please just kill me before <laughs> I have, have this failure. I just, I was listening to, I think I mentioned Sunday, listening to this audio book. Um, it's from Glenn Beck on being George Washington uh, that I got from uh, from Wayne Stauffer. And I'm really enjoying it. It's it's not like a pure biography. It's kind of a mix of inspirational mm-hmm. biography kind of stuff, novelization. Anyway, um, but one of, the, one of the speculations that it has in there is, think about Benedict Arnold, who was the great hero of the Revolutionary War. And if he had died in the Battle of Saratoga, before his betrayals ever came, all anybody would think of was was him as the tragic heroic f- figure. Right. He would be this great uh, American hero, and instead, he's kind of a you know a byword that right. you know when you think of traitor, even if you don't know the story, Benedict Arnold is the name that comes to mind, right. and uh, to the point where you know you got to be British to name your kid Benedict. No, no Americans name the kid Benedict. You know, so anyhow that. That's where Moses is. And if he if he um, just ends there, he's just angry with God. That right. that's a problem. <clears throat> right. But he doesn't. He is confused, he's perplexed, he's overwhelmed, and he and and the anger might be there, in, it might be in the mix, but he shuts that down and says, Lord, this is yours. I if you don't do it, it can't be done. Right. I, I, and, and so that's where we have to start in our faith is if we don't recognize the bad news, if we don't recognize that we are all separated from God by our sin, as Jesus said in John 6, 18, we stand condemned already. As Paul wrote in Ephesians 2, we are dead in our sins. We're not, we're not sick and needing a cure. We don't need help. We don't need a boost. We are we dead. And, and that means we got nothing to offer. And so the sooner we get to that place of desperation so that we are flat on our back in the bottom of the dungeon, looking up to the Lord, crying out, Lord, save me. Then the sooner we get to the place where God makes that provision. Right. Because 
we can't save ourselves. But he gave Jesus already while we were yet sinners so that he could take our sin from us on the cross right. to be that sacrifice of atonement, that substitutionary atonement. And as he makes provision in Christ, our, our response to that is either receive the provision or die. There is no other option. Right. We, we either are saved through Christ or we are not saved. There is no other path. And if, if we come to that place and we cry out to him, then the Lord saves us. And we, we have that, uh, that picture here in how Moses responds. But if we don't respond to him by turning to God in desperation and crying out in faith, Lord, save me. I'm going to put my hope and trust in you. Every, everything I have is in your hands. I got nothing else. Then that provision that he makes is of no avail for us. Right. Uh, we'll stop there today for today. We've already gone over on our streams, I'm sure, because we talked about nothing for 10 minutes. Uh, but thank you guys for listening. And uh, I just wanted it's to... It's interesting you say that. We didn't even bring up Seinfeld at Yeah. All. I just want to give a quick plug real, real quick. Um, this Sunday, if you're in the Three Oaks area, Imagine Worship is going to come and perform. So Thank you for making that plug. So, I've, I've failed to And we that. will we'll have that on our social media this week. But yeah, if you are in the area, come to our service at 10.04. And it's a great local uh, dance dance team that comes. And they do it pretty much every year. But it's great, great experience. So come to that if you're in the area. Other than that, you guys know how to contact us, where to contact us, with any comments or questions. And we will catch you. You still got 30 seconds. I still, I'm, I'm going to speak slowly. So thank you guys for listening and we will catch you next time.